0: Hello, and welcome to the Area 831 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gaither.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Stansel. Before we get into today's episode, please take a moment to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Area 831 Podcast.
0: That's where you'll be able to check out some of the behind the scenes content as well as find out when our next episode will be dropping.
1: It's also where we can see your feedback about the show. Tell us what you think. Let us know if there's someone you think we should be talking to. We are very
0: happy to be back from a kind of an extended summer hiatus. We've been busy doing stuff and our producer went to Paris to (laughs) breathe a little bit and get some culture. Um, But we're back for some podcasting culture. And today we're talking to an author whom I met a couple of months ago or so. Uh, we're talking to Megan Wood, a uh, children's author. Her latest book is called Cash, the Clever Canine, and I have a dedicated copy. It's very cool. Uh, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Area 831 podcast. Thank you
2: for having me. This is exciting.
0: And Emily's here as well with me, my, my co-host. And lurking in the back is our producer, the ringmaster,
3: Joe Bettencourt. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Thanks, Michael. It's uh, good to kind of shake off the cobwebs and get back into it. Yeah, this is
0: exciting. I want to talk about the book and about your background, but I want to start with sort of an obvious thing because you and I talked when I played your homeowners association Saturday gathering. That was really fun. Yeah, the um, so good Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I hope I go back and do it again. It was really fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So how was, how, how did you get through Burning Man this year?
2: I actually did not go
0: this year. Okay. You were talking about it when I, when I was talking to you, but okay.
2: Well, I mean, Burning Man is such a big part of my culture and my life that it's always it's always there. And uh, most of my social events and my friends, um, they're all somehow connected to it. So it's always, everything's always about Burning Man. It's always something in the conversation. I heard that um, like a lot of my friends that returned from the mud burn, as they called it, actually had a really good time, and it wasn't as bad conditions as social media was making it out to be.
0: I was wondering. I was wondering about that.
2: Yeah, you just, um, like most Burning Man events, you have to be smart. You know, don't, if it's like six inches of mud, don't go try to bike kind of thing. You know, um, stay in your camp, stay close to home. Just typical survival safety instruction. So a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff you were seeing on social media was maybe less experienced individuals
3: <laughs> rookies
0: yeah. well it looked like from the yeah from the from the social media post because of the the raining and the flood, it looked like somebody built an arc it looked horrible right yeah.
2: But... yeah there was um a lot of my friends reported that you know based upon the different parts of the desert and playa you were on it's different elevations some was getting more rain than others um some streets were drier than others and mm-hmm. you just kind of had to pick and choose um, but there were some definitely messy, messy things. And the mud swallowed a lot of gear and equipment. So cleanup is going to be epic this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've seen some aftermath photos of what got left behind. And it looks like a huge mess.
2: Yeah. People just up and left their entire camps. Um, yeah, there's there's it's going to be a very big cleanup this year. So they I know they're accepting volunteers um, by the plenty in order to get enough hands and feet out there to sift through and resurrect treasures that were lost.
3: Right. Does someone own the playa? Is that like public land? Or is there like an organization behind the, the property?
2: Um, it is, uh, it's national land. And
3: uh, we do have to go
2: through um, BLM to get permits and all that stuff. But right. um, when the event is not there, you can go camp, you can go explore, you can go dirt biking out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of just a uh, national land that you can go explore on. And as, as long as there's not a ticketed event, which
0: makes no sense, but that's okay. You, you you picked the right year to probably give it a pass.
2: Yeah. Well, last year we had a uh, 25 mile hour winds consistently, which created whiteouts and we had 106 degree plus weather. So last year was pretty rough and tumbly too.
0: So let's talk about your current, your current book and how you became a children's author. What's your background?
2: My um, current children's book is Billy the Silly Goat. um, And book one, which came out last year, is Cash the Clever Canine. And these are all part of the Farm Day Adventure children's book series. We have one more book that's with my illustrator now called Screech the Scaredy Cat. Um, I have two more children's books that I've written, but they're just not part of the Farm Day Adventure series. So I'm not focusing on them right now. But I have always been a scribbler and a writer Um, I always loved writing essays Um, even as a small little kid I was writing little stories Um, so it's always been like a something I wanted to do I just didn't know how Mm -hmm. and then during um, COVID I had a great opportunity to move out of Oakland and live on my friend's five acre farm that had I was uh, flanked by two streams there was a pond we had 27 heads of sheep, which for the first three months I thought were goats. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a city it and I can't tell the difference, right? And also, my favorite animal is a goat, and my nickname is Goat. So I was just like, "There's goats!" And the owner of the farm just kind of like patted me on the head and was like, "Okay, just have fun." And we no. had, um... you're from the city,
0: aren't you? You'll get you'll get used to. Yeah.
2: It. <laughs> and we had alpacas that I kept saying were llamas. I can now tell the difference a little bit. Um, we had egg laying hens and then we had meat chickens, which, you know, you use for food.
0: You don't name uh, them. Right. Yeah.
2: And uh, it's kind of a self-sustainable homestead. So in the back of that farmhouse, we had a garden that we ate from. And, you know, we also ate the food on the farm and it was a really great experience. My COVID was consisting of waking up each day and running out and playing on the farm, feeding animals Doing land management, learning how to use a forklift, which is rad. Um
0: nice, big toys.
2: Big yeah. And I got to you learn how to use chainsaws and sawzaws and you know, cut up logs and stuff. So it was a really great experience. And during this time, um I didn't have a lot. Uh there's only three or four of us living on the farm and there wasn't a lot of Wi-Fi. Um, and I was on Facebook one day and there was this um children's Blueprint children's book blueprint five-day challenge write a children's book challenge for free and they guided you through the how and so once I figured out how to format the book um, and then learn how to use um, self-publishing on Amazon all of a sudden the how was there so mm-hmm. then all the stories just started pouring out of me because I knew I could do it right and it started with cash the clever canine and, and the, all the books are rhyming They have the same kind of stanzas and beats. And each book kind of has the same um, layout formula. So for kids of ages, say one to six, they like to have consistency and repetition and it helps with early reading process. So I took that into consideration. But Cash Clever Canine, you know, it started off just like doing little rhymes in my head. And then once the rhyming started, (laughs) it didn't stop. Um, and it just kept getting easier and easier. And before I knew it, I had three books that, you know, once I reviewed with my editor, were ready to go.
1: Are Cash and Billy inspired by actual, like specific animals on the farm you were on? Yes, they, I mean, the adventures that take place aren't
2: necessarily exactly what happened. But yeah, Cash was a, um, a dog on the farm. The red hen is, there were a lot of red hens. But my friend, Lucky, who lived on the farm, um, I turned him into a scared little red hen, which I think is very funny, just knowing this guy's personality. Um, and there were a lot of billy goats. Well, there were sheep. I thought they were goats. And then there was a security <laughs> cat named Screech. Um, and the reason we called her Screech was because she was always screeching. So, yeah, they are based off of my farm friends and my farm furry folk. Yes. <laughs> That's great.
0: I love the fact that like and I've said this before, but there, you know, COVID and what, you know whatever happened during whatever the hell 2020 was, yeah. there were these little silver linings. People were forced to go off and like do a reset or do different. If they had the resources and were able to do it, and they weren't home working with their kids, and that was a whole other thing. But those of us were able to go off and try different things—that's where these you started writing these children's books it was out of moving out of the city, moving to a farm. Um, what a great experience, and it all grew organically out of that.
2: Yeah, it was like when these stressors and triggers from the city left me, and basically all what I had to do was wake up and go move some logs around, you know, your brain and your emotions have a time to be quiet and reset, and a lot of creativity started coming out. It was, um, I mean, I did some other creative stuff on the farm, but this is the Farm Day Adventure series is something that I'm trying to take to build into
3: um, a brand, Um, you know, and a popular one at that, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, um, your life on the farm reminded me, I recently watched a series on Netflix called live to be a hundred or something along those lines. And just talking
1: with, about this lately,
3: have you watched it?
1: I haven't um, yet. Okay. I so the, have
3: there's, um, a, I mean, it's all common sense stuff first and foremost, but just people don't do these things. But one of the things they talk about is, um, stress, right? Stress kills people. And there are these people in these pockets around the world who live to be over a hundred in mass quantities. And what most of them have in common is they live in very rural farm, you know, like living off of the earth communities and the stresses they have come and go right throughout the day. So it's like, oh, I've got to go milk some cows or sheep or I've got to do this. And then that stress is over right until the next day. Whereas in our culture, we are stressed from the moment we wake up <laughs> until the time we go to bed, you know, either like emotional stress, sometimes physical stress though, not really. Um, so it's pretty interesting, like in, like you are saying, like you probably found peace being on the farm, right? Because you didn't have to deal with city life.
2: I, I definitely agree with you there. So it's like, you know, what I call the default world, which is this world we live in, the stressors are, you know, prolonged. Whereas exactly to your point, my stressors were relative day to day. I had to make sure I fed the chickens or I had to harvest the eggs or I had to make sure, you know, I checked on the tomatoes in the garden. And it was a very, it, it's not simple because the stressors and the, the chores and the tasks you have to do on the farm are crucial for you to live for that day. But they're also very, I found achievable and and easy. They were important, but they were like, Easy. And I found that to be incredibly relaxing and very different than the default world. And when I moved off the farm back into the default world, all those stressors came back. And it's been a really interesting adjustment process. <laughs> I, I spend <laughs> a lot of my time either rock climbing at the, at a gym or hiking around through the dunes and the mountains here in, in Marina. Cause it's like, I need to get that connection back. And I also go, I also go and visit my farm at least once a month for a weekend. So just to keep my, keep that vibe going. It's essential.
0: Yeah. And I would think those kind of, I wouldn't even call them stressors, but I've never lived on a farm, but like this year, I finally have a good garden going and it's spitting out produce and it's, it's, you have those, I guess they're tasks, but they're very, I mean, I would imagine watering the garden, checking on the tomatoes, checking on the chickens, picking up the eggs. There are things you had to do, but they're, they're probably pretty gratifying things to get done every day. It isn't isn't like, it isn't like I have to get up at 530 to beat the traffic over 17 to go to that whole, that's the the default world kind of thing. It's a whole different kind of stress.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it almost feels like, like what I kind of found is I I started calling it like my tasks here in the default world are, are superficial and non-essential almost. You know, they're they have to's by external pressures like you gotta pay rent, so you have to do this, yada yada rough, rough. Yeah. Um, and that that was really hard to sort of like it's like, well, why am I doing this? It's like I know I had to go get the eggs and collect the tomatoes so we could have breakfast, but now in the default world, why am I sitting in traffic? And it was it, it was a <laughs> hard like thing to rewrap my
0: brain around. Right. A whole different mindset.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the you- um individual's farm that i lived on i actually met them in 2019 at burning man so they were also burners that i got to live with during Mm -hmm. covid which was awesome because they're great you know right and the way they um they convinced me to come to their farm is they told me they they had goats and so i went to their (laughs) farm in 2019 i was like these are goats you guys lured me here under false pretenses (laughs)
0: and it
2: ended up being very good and that's funny wonderful relationships
0: you could just call the sheep goats long as you stay everybody's happy <laughs> yeah
2: and the alpacas aren't alpacas they're llamas but i made another story called luna the lazy llama and i couldn't say luna the lazy alpaca right So <laughs> i just i just changed the you know the type of animal it's yeah, fine good. It's i gotta ask this.
3: i got go ahead joe I'll stop. sorry i was just this a dumb joke but i was gonna say hear me out al pacino the alpaca <laughs> okay. You try
2: rhyming that in a five-seven six four <laughs> format and you let me know how well it goes. <laughs>
0: I'll work on some lyrics for you. Alpaca. There got you that. go. Exactly. I'll I'll come up with something. Um <laughs> I host trivia. What's the difference between an alpaca and a llama?
2: I can like I can visually tell the you difference. You can show me but now.
0: not tell me, right? <laughs>
2: well, I can visually tell the difference now if I have them side by side. Right. But I couldn't really like articulate the specifics of it. I can now between so we had um Barcelona sheep on the farm and they're a breed of sheep that looks very similar to a goat.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um but now when you hold up a goat next to the Barcelona sheep, it's like, oh it's really dumb. No wonder they were laughing at me. So they have different kinds of horns, different sorts of ears.
1: Yeah. They do look like goats. That's pretty, I'm just looking them up now. Yeah. Honest uh, mistake.
0: It's, on, it's an honest mistake.
2: Yeah, especially for a city. I mean, the closest I'd ever come to a goat before is at the zoo petting zoo. I was never surrounded by like 27 of them wanting food. Yeah. yeah so.
0: <laughs> so, so how did if, if, not, if you haven't been around now, I'm going off on tangents, but it's a podcast. We can do this. Um, if you've never been around goats, how did goats be, kind of become your nickname or spirit animal? How did that How did that evolve?
2: Oh, Lord. um, This goes back a long time. So when I was Doing um, construction project management in New York City um, and interior design, my boss and the crew kind of gave me the nickname Little Goat. Um, And I think that's because I was so young and I just was like tenacious and, you know, butted my head against things in a positive way as well as a negative way in order to get the job done. Um, I think it was just some of those attributes and they called me Little Goat. And then one of the stores that I was um, uh, brainstorming on on how to design it with the merchandiser, their props for the store were life-size fiberglass animals. And at the end of the job, they bequeathed me and gifted me this life-size purple fiberglass goat. And so that goat sat in my office and kind of became a mascot for my department. And other departments would steal it and it was kind of a whole lot of fun. And um so I already had the name goat, but when you when you become a burner, you get to apply a name gifted to you based upon something really smart or really some stu- stupid that you've done at the burn. So I had a different <laughs> I had a different name in 2015, but it never stuck. And then when I brought the purple goat to the burn, it kind of solidified my name, the goat.
0: Perfect. So, a great story yeah and it's it's kind of a cool nickname yes
1: do you still have the goat
2: no the goat got damaged in transport
3: Mm -hmm. oh
2: and then i had her at a friend's house and we were in uh they they would repair surfboards and so i thought we could get it done but time blah 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 and it never really got achieved so no that Mm -hmm. goat is we only have pictures of her her name was daisy and um, also at the time, whenever I'd go to fairs or festivals, you could get trinkets and jewelry with dolphins and giraffes and deer and fish. But I could never find a goat at this time. It was back in 2015, 2016. And so I got a tattoo of my Daisy on my arm. So now I always have a goat with me because at the time I could never find any goat merchandise. Now you go on Amazon and you find goat everything. But right. so this is Daisy. She hangs out with me all the time. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Things you do when you're young. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tattoos are fun. Uh, I would I would imagine, too, just because of you being involved with the Burning Man community, you're around a lot of creative people. So something creative had to come along for you eventually. And it was, it was the farm and it was books.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I helped build uh, the Temple of Promise 2015 at Burning Man. And I also would have helped um, other art departments uh, coordinate projects and things like that. Um, and that was like a really big creative thing. But then living on the farm in the middle of COVID, there wasn't a lot of that for me to participate in. Plus, I was on an isolated farm and we didn't come or go. We just like locked the gate, and, like stayed there, and had a great mm-hmm. time. Um, so, yeah, so I needed an outlet. And my rhyming children's books ours is the product of that.
1: So, yeah. You are you're working on uh, wanting to turn it into a brand, so beyond just the books itself, what does that look like?
2: Well, I only have ideas right now. I have a local artist that is making stuffed animals. Right? Um, and they're beautiful and they're lovely and they're custom made. Um, and I'm working with another friend of mine to do 3D printing of, like, a lot of little figurines. They like maybe get a a little figurine of a barn and then the animals and that can be sold as like a little set. Um, my friend's mom, my mom's friend, sorry, who's in her knitting group. I'm trying to convince her to make uh finger puppets hmm. of all the little characters.
0: Nice. And,
2: and this is kind of like going on the idea. And also I have um, my books and some of the stickers in local retailers and um, restaurants and boutiques around uh, marina and carmel which is fantastic and so it'd be nice if they could buy the book and then buy like an inexpensive finger puppet to go along with it um i'm looking at doing t-shirts uh i'd like to get embroidered patches mm, that with would all be little cool. characters as mm-hmm. a little montage mm-hmm. um I want patches and stickers for myself so I can put them on my overalls and like decorate my overalls (laughs) with, instead of Burning Man stickers, Farm bay venture patches. I think that'd be (laughs) crap. So those are all kind of up in the air. And also with that, I need to do a trademark, which I haven't started thinking about yet.
3: Yeah, that should come. Oh yeah. You got to jump on that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And I need to do some intellectual property research um, and my, all, uh, all the
1: boring stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, the stuff. stuff.
2: my illustrator, she's a unicorn. She has a background in graphic design, web design, as well as fine art. Um, so instead of me writing the words to the book and finding an artist and then finding a graphic designer to make the art fit the book format, I got this going on with one magical You've human You've got a maker.
0: one-stop shop for all this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so what we decided in the beginning is we wanted to create the art first. We wanted to create the three books. Once we got the three books done, then we were going to put on our business lady hats and do all of that trade, all all that legal stuff we have to do. Um, So because we, I mean, we got together to create art. She always wanted to do a children's book. um, And I always wanted do one too so when we got together we had a common interest and a common goal of this being a long-term dream of ours um so we're like you know what let's just have fun let's do the art once the art is done then we'll start doing the other stuff Mm. however in between um publishing books like right now my third book is written it's storyboarded and it's edited and it's with my illustrator and i have to wait so in between the waiting times, I get very antsy, and I try to start these other processes. But I need my business partner, I need Amanda, my illustrator, uh, to work with me on it, and she's busy doing art. So I get a little, like, cranky in between <laughs> in between books. I try to fill my time with other things so I'm not hounding her and uh, derailing her from creating art.
0: So I totally get that. Like if I'm, if I'm doing a creative on the music and I'm doing something creative and I give it off to the next person to, to mix or and I'm, I'm waiting and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I know you're really good. It'll, it'll, it'll happen. But yeah, you're just, you're kind of antsy about it, you know, but you notice know yeah, it's, 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 it's going to come back. It's going to be good, but you, you have to wait.
2: I know. And I don't have patience as a virtue. So <laughs> I lost that somewhere. Like yeah. I think you was too,
0: yeah. <laughs> i like the fact that i think i think it totally and we, i think we were talking about this when i played your homeowner's association gathering that um the books are the books are great and you know if you're marketing to parents and kids having some merch to go with it is a. I think you might have had some of the stuffed animal prototypes with you that day i think
1: i yeah, have
2: the stuffed animal yeah, yeah. yeah. oh and They're then cool And I I have my own homemade sock puppets that the kids like to play with.
0: That's what you had. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then actually yesterday I got together with one of my friends and we put together a very campy, very kitschy sock puppet play of both books. (laughs) And um, so it's me sitting there reading the book and then my friend trying to hide behind a table and acting out the sock puppets of what's happening in the book. And I created this construction paper, again, very kitschy, very campy uh, backdrop of the farm with the barn. And um, I want to get that silly little show out and up on YouTube just for laughs, for fun, um, to show sort of show individuals maybe a goofy fun side of this, what we're doing. Um, and also we're going to be working on doing read aloud read-alongs. So the book page is going to be open in front of you on the screen. Oh, what a great idea. And I'll be reading it. I have one done for cash. I got to do one for Billy. And for Billy, actually, my nieces got together. And each one of them is reading. Each niece is reading a different line. So I got like four kids' voices in there. And we're going to turn that into a read-aloud, read-along as well. And then post it on YouTube, uh, post it in my Facebook groups, and just kind of get a different type of marketing merchandising circulation going because it's right now it's a lot of photos it's a lot of pictures of me in the park with the kids and I need some fresh new material that'll catch people's eye make them laugh make them remember kind of thing so
1: it sounds like something you could do at local libraries too I feel like when I was a kid growing up authors would come in and read and, um, you know, there would just be a group of kids there. I, I can't really remember the, the context of what, how, how those came about, but I feel like that would be something that you could do to gain more traction and, you know, just engage with your local community too.
2: Absolutely. I mean, this So Good Saturdays um, brings local artists together in a local park and families come down and whatnot. And so and it's, fun. It's, really it's fun. It's really fun. It's yeah. fun. As long as your bubble machine is working doesn't work without the bubble machine. You don't attract any <laughs> children. But um, I also do, um, there's a couple uh, after-school youth programs here in Marina. And I go read to them. So like the kindergartners, I'll read the book. And then we do a craft that is related to the book. So maybe we draw a dog or we cut out a dog and I don't know, something, whatever. Um, we turn a paper plate into a mask that looks like cash kind of thing. And then I do something similar with the school age kids, where I read the book, they make uh, paper bag puppets, and then they collaborate together to put on a play, however they want to interpret it. But they're using, um, so they got to meet in groups, they got to read the book together, they got to create the craft, and then they have to work together as a team to create a play. So it utilizes a lot of different skill set building activities, as well as uh, utilizing their imaginations, and it's sort of child-guided education, which is great. Nice. And then with the teens, um, I have them read the book, and then I have them create a song, because they're all very into their instruments and whatnot. And um, I'm doing, I do that at quarter uh, Youth, youth group here in Marina. So I do, I do kind of do that a little bit, and I'm getting a little bit more comfortable doing it because last year i was super super shy and i'm not sure i was just transitioning off the farm or whatever what have you so i'm getting a little better at putting myself out there um but i have not checked out the library so i'm putting that on my to-do list today that's a good one yeah. thank you
0: yeah i want to add to that too um i have some friends that live in florida and I, they haven't done it in a couple of years because covid but they would they're singer-songwriters and they would travel out to the west coast every summer and play house concerts and gigs along the way and sort of their it's a term anchor gigs the ones that actually really paid and it was were libraries they would do special programs for libraries because they all had budgets for special programs and they would actually sort of use the library gigs along the way to fund their trip and then do concerts and house concerts along the way so once you're ready i think look into library programs that want to bring this stuff in and you could probably besides just having your books available, it could be like another another revenue stream doing these programs in libraries.
2: That's a really good idea. Yeah. There's so many there's so many different um unique options and, and avenues to go down. And it's it's really a matter of, you know, getting yourself out there, having the confidence, you know, kind of being in a good mood and a good headspace to be like, hey, I got something I can offer you and you're gonna have fun doing it. You know kind of thing so it's um yeah but it, it's good yesterday i dropped my books off at like three or four different local vendors and got a really positive response and then i posted that um the fact that i did that on next door and i got even more responses that i have to respond to and i gotta get more inventory in so i can deliver these mm. products to these these locations so
0: good deal let you go yeah. I think you were talking about being like shy about this about a year ago, but I think, and I've done this with my own music too. If you find creative or if you can make marketing fun, you, it yeah. kind of gets you out there. And I think what you're doing with, I think the fact that you've written these books with a repetition so kids can learn how to read. I think having kids read these in a, whether it's a YouTube piece or wherever you're posting this, it's a great idea.
2: I love that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And they're fun. They're the creative ways to market your, your whatever you're doing. And now he doesn't feel like, oh, I got to let everybody know and send out this email. It's it's more, it's it's more, it's creative to go along with a creative effort. Yeah.
2: Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And as I get more confident in what I'm doing, I feel more free to be more creative and eccentric mm-hmm. with my postings and my marketing and the ideas that come forward. Like this like this campy sock puppet show. I mean, it is so bad. I watched the footage back last night and it's it's awful but I think it's just like we knew it was gonna be awful and so we deliberately made it kind of like more awful so it's like a full train wreck um but I think it's just the right amount of eccentric where it'll it's either one gonna scare people off and be like this lady doesn't know what she's doing or they're gonna be like this lady's really hilarious you know, she has a good vibe. We want to buy her books. We want to buy her story. We want to bring this author into our life, kind
0: of thing. Right. You know, and once you get that puppet show ready to like show people, show it to kids, and if the kids respond to it or the parents, it's fine. It's good.
2: You know. Good point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what? I think we should do too. Has been talking about the, the way you've written these books. Can you read a little bit to us?
2: Sure, I'd love to. Absolutely. So we'll read Cash the Clever Canine." Cash was a clever canine who lived on a farm, and Lucky was the big red hen who lived out in the barn. Lucky rode on Cash's back and held on with her beak. The merry pair roamed far and wide and even crossed the creek. Cash and Lucky were best friends and all the day would play, exploring all around the farm and never lost their way. Cash woke up one sunny day and ran out to the barn. He wanted to wake Lucky up to play out on the farm. Cash looked and looked for Lucky, searching all around. He even asked the barnyard friends, but Lucky was not found. Then Cash heard a squawking squaw coming from the creek. Lucky struggled in the water right up to her beak. Cash was scared for his hen friend and jumped into the creek. He paddled fast for his best pal and grabbed her by the feet. Soaking wet, they reached the bank and hugged each other tight. To the cozy barn they went and slept all through the night. The morning dawned bright and cool. What a perfect day. Lucky squawked in Cash's ear. Friend, it's time going to play. Lucky hopped on Cash's back, off to find some fun. The sun warms the... Quiet Farm, a new day had begun. Great story. And then there's Great. a picture of the actual Lucky and Cash in the back. And each I one of my weird. books has like the actual characters in the back of the book. So, and I thought it was really important to include like what I call my farm folk as part of the book because they were also part of the inspiration. Absolutely. They were listening to my rhymes every day over dinner, you know, so <laughs> they, they need to be. They're just as important elements as like my illustrator, my editor, my mentor that helped me through okay. getting these things pulled together and off the ground.
0: So your farm host heard these stories many, many, many times. Yes. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> many we, times. We, we think we're glad we invited her right here. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> and, no.
2: um, and the kids that were on the farm, they were very exceptional help because um, they'd be out like in the fields uh, next to me, you know, pulling weeds or moving rocks. And I'd start to rhyme and then they would kind of add their two cents in. And then a lot of times um, after dinner or after lunch, we'd sit down at the table and they would do illustrations um, for the various pages of the books. I have those illustrations. And another idea I'd like to do is to produce a copy of the books but all illustrated by children instead of my professional illustrator.
0: That's a great idea.
2: And I think that would be just so much fun and i think everybody would love a copy of that um so that's yet another idea once screech the Security cat is complete so i could probably do that without my illustrator but i'd like to include her on all aspects of the creative side of these things
0: yeah because she'll have a visual eye for what works probably too
2: yeah she's really good at that
0: yeah and it's a way of um sort of repurposing the material too it's still cool but it's just a different way of presenting it too You know. yeah
2: and i think you know At, say, uh, the local library, if I get in there and I have a coloring art session with the kids and then collecting those illustrations and creating, uh, uh, because doing the the publishing on Amazon is free, so I could assemble those and then shoot it through the formatter that the the system has and then go back to that library and let them know that this is a book that was created by those certain kids in that group. I think that's... A re- like, I remember making presents like that in kindergarten for my parents, you know, but you would just be coloring and then the teacher assembles all the kids' classmates' right. pictures in one book and you give it to your father on Father's Day. You know, something like that, but more professional because I have the tools to do that for them.
0: Right. Now we can do that. More than just punching <laughs> two holes and stranding together with yarn or something like on the old days.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, really I'm, I'm
0: really dating myself. I'm really dating myself. But uh, very cool. Um, any plans for uh, future animal books? Are you still working on getting these sort of like into the the, the marketing machine? We got the Screech the Cat coming up.
2: Yep. Um, and so each one of my books starts off the same. So the first page is Cash is a Clever Canine. And then I introduce the new character, right? Um, so we'll have Screech the Scaredy Cat. I have Luna the Lazy Llama, which I like a lot. And right now I do read her to groups. But instead of having illustrations, I just have photographs that I've taken of mm-hmm. the llama on the farm herself. And I've gotten some fun feedback from parents where they really liked, and so the kids, they really like seeing the actual pictures of the animals instead of it being illustrated. Yeah. So if I get antsy between now and Screech, I might just...
0: Um, break form and Break form llama. and use photographs. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be part of the Farm Day Adventure series. And it's not going to be confused as part of the Farm Day Adventure series because it's not going to have the same genre of illustrations and um, rhyming. And then I also have another one, um, To Be a Tree. And that's one that I usually do with kindergartners. And we, we, surround our, we surround a tree because you have to, like, hug the tree, touch the tree, knock on the tree, turn around. So it's sort of an active listening book at the same time but you kind of have to do it on a park or where there's a tree If there's not a tree around it doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> and that one again i used my own um, photography images with and it's it's pretty decent the yeah so but those are those are the only two i have ready to go i have a chapter book that i've been working on for years which um Every time I sit down to edit it, I, it morphs into something else. So I got to rein that one in if I'm going to think about publishing that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Art tends to do that sometimes. I, I thought I was going to do this. And now it's this. And now it's this. And now it's this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah especially, I know for me, when I start getting into um, a great creative space, I just start typing, you know, just like, <laughs> and I lose sight sometimes of the Story narrative that I outlined for myself. I'm like, oh, I'll come back to it. I'll go back and edit it. Anyway, so that's a love hate, I guess, situation. And then I do have a collection of short stories that I want to put into a memoir, but that's it's a very adult um, short story book. And I don't want to get the two tangled uh, up just yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, for now, you focus on the on the farm day adventures and get that launched.
2: Yeah. yeah you know, I miss Megan at story time kind
0: of mm-hmm. um, brand thing. Like so.
2: you know. The other one's going to get really dark. So I don't want the parents to read that and be like, oh, I don't buy your children's <laughs> book anymore.
0: <laughs> focus on these. I was going to say we're talking about merchandising during this and before. Another night, he won a nice giveaway Um, for my band. I have these little, these little bracelet thingies. These are really nice. These are okay. really cool and they're where'd you find those um i forget the site but i'll email it to you but when i got them it was you know i was going to get a 100 and it said well if you get 200 we'll give you 300 for the same price or something like that so it was like they were like less than 60 bucks for like 300 of these things people love these things put your logo on them your website and yeah they might might come in kid sizes too and they're really nice giveaways i
2: like that yeah me and uh, a lot of my friends we collect um Festival bracelets, you know, up our arms when Mm -hmm. we get into that season. So having those as something I could contribute to that would be really fantastic.
0: Yeah, And they're fun. They're really fun. They are fun. Um, I think we're at about time. Um, So where can people find these books now? Ooh,
2: um, they're available on Amazon. Um, You can also contact me at my webs or by um, email farmdayadventures at gmail.com. And I can coordinate getting you a signed copy. Um, And then there's a couple local retailers and stores here in Marina and Carmel that uh, they are being carried at. They're being carried at Mia Coffee off a reservation in Marina. They're being carried at a store called What'd You Break, which is a tech tech store and they fix your stuff. There's also Locals Deli and Vibes. They're carrying my books. And then the really big one is La Hacienda Hay and Feed down in Carmel. And they have my books, my stickers, and stuffed animals down there. And you can also follow us on Facebook. We're at Cash the Clever Canine on Facebook too.
0: Great. We'll put all these links and information to the podcast notes, and then we'll we'll get this up very soon.
2: Thank you. Let me know.
0: Are you on Instagram as well?
2: I am.
0: Okay. Good. We'll we'll tag you there too. I am. I'm... That sounded like a question. <laughs>
2: I am. You know, I am. I'm old and I use Facebook and I probably still have a MySpace page. Okay. So Instagram is, I know I'm on there. Yeah. I'm just more active on Facebook. But I can get you guys with that, in, that that Instagram handle is.
0: Yeah. Whatever we can do to spread the word about what you do, we're happy to do it. How's that? Thank
2: you so much for the support. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: it was cool meeting you that day. And I'm like, we should, I should get you to Joan. We should schedule this and do something. It was very cool.
2: Yeah, this is fun. We should do it again.
0: Thanks again, Megan. And listeners, please do check out her books, including Cash the Clever Canine and Billy the Silly Goat, part of the Farm Day Adventure series. And you'll find those over at Amazon.com. And before we go, I also wanted to mention that you probably know on this podcast, we've interviewed artists and musicians and authors and business owners, lots of people who have great stories because everybody has a great story. If you know of somebody you'd like to see interviewed on this podcast, let us know. Leave a comment on one of our socials or email us like back in the olden days. Our email address is area831podcast at gmail.com. Reach out, let us know. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.